0: Hello and welcome to the official podcast of the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. I'm Louise Tapsell. Today I'm joined by ASIC's Senior Executive Leader of Markets Enforcement, Molly Toucare, to discuss ASIC's work to promote a fair and efficient market and the action we take against misconduct. Welcome Molly. G'day Louise. Molly, tell us what matters the Markets Enforcement Team investigate and what you bring before the courts.
1: ASIC regulates Australia's financial markets so that they're both fair and efficient. We act where there is misconduct that threatens market integrity and investor confidence.
0: You're talking about insider trading, market manipulation, continuous disclosure failures and false or misleading statements.
1: That's right. We also focus on misconduct involving the sale of over-the-counter derivatives, also known as OTC products and making sure that client and company money is kept in separate bank accounts. Australian Financial Services licensees have client money obligations to protect the funds of Australian investors. It is important that client money remains separated from licensee money.
0: You mentioned OTC derivative products. ASIC reviews have found everyday Australians or retail investors lose money trading with CFDs. ASIC took action against some CFDs in late 2020 and had a pretty major win. Can you tell me more about that?
1: We had a really significant win in late 2020. We took action against AGM Markets, OT Markets and Aussie FinTech. We argued before the Federal Court that these companies provided unlicensed personal advice that they engaged in unconscionable conduct and they made representations to retail investors that were false, misleading and deceptive. These companies sold risky products to people, generally over the phone or online, and recommended trading strategies designed to result in large scale losses. When we became aware of this misconduct, we took immediate action. We saw injunctions from the court to protect client deposits, and we were able to freeze money in multiple bank accounts controlled by the companies whilst we continued our investigation.
0: So investing in CFDs is like looking at an asset class and wagering on whether the price would go up or down.
1: That's right, it's very similar to wagering. When you trade CFDs, you don't actually buy or sell the underlying asset. So you don't buy a commodity like gold, you buy or sell a number of units, and you essentially bet on whether you think the price of gold will go up or down. For every point the price of gold moves in your favour, you gain multiples of the number of units that you've invested. However, for every point the price moves against you, you make a loss. But this is the critical point. Your losses can exceed the amount that you've deposited in your account to trade, through something known as leverage.
0: Right, I see.
1: So in AGM, there are everyday Australian investors investing large amounts, sometimes up to $10,000 per trade. This money can then be leveraged up to $4 million. The excessive leverage caused investors to wager more than they had intended. It also exposed them to losses much larger than their initial investment.
0: So the Judge Justice Beach said the case was an example of people seeking financial heroin hits and AGM kept encouraging people to invest more and more even if it meant that they would continue to lose large amounts of money.
1: The conduct of the account managers was quite insidious. Our investigation found that they were saying things like, hold my hand. They even referred to themselves as a friend of the investor to build trust and to keep those people investing their money. And when the judge mentions heroin hits, it's because this type of trading, wagering on something going up or down, really can be quite addictive. And what did the judge rule? The judge imposed very large penalties in this case. AGM Markets was fined $35 million, OT Markets and Aussie Fin were fined $20 million each, which is $75 million in total. It's the highest combined pecuniary penalty in ASIC history. And importantly, the ruling also helps around 10,000 former clients receive some refunds, as the three companies are now in liquidation.
0: Now, just recently ASIC banned the sole director and four former employees of another OTC issuer called Forex Capital Trading, known as ForexCT. Tell me a bit more about that.
1: That's right. Forex CT employed account managers similar to the AGM case, and those account managers encourage clients to trade in high risk CFDs and margin FX contracts. ASIC has banned five employees, one of which is the Forex CT CEO and sole director Shlomo Yoshai. He's been banned from providing financial services for 10 years. The four other bands range from three to six years.
0: ASIC found Mr Yoshii was involved in ForexCT's trading floor culture, an environment that has been likened by former ForexCT account managers to the Wolf of Wall Street.
1: It's hard to imagine, but there was a trading floor ForexCT had in Melbourne. The investigation revealed that a bell was rung when clients deposited funds of certain amounts into their trading accounts. Account managers could also participate in incentive games such as Wheel of Fortune, roulette tables, and dice games to win cash if client deposit targets were met. ASIC found that Mr Yoshai had little regard for compliance with the law. He was actively involved in the operations of the company, which was primarily concerned with making sure clients invested as much money as possible. The 10-year ban, which is quite a significant ban, reflects the fact that Mr Yoshai had ultimate responsibility for the operations of the company and the culture of the company as the CEO.
0: And what else is ASIC doing to protect investors from these types of investments?
1: Significantly, ASIC has made a product intervention order that addresses some of the concerns with contracts for difference. The order came into effect on the 29th of March 2021. Some of these conditions limit the excessive leverages we spoke about before and target the aggressive sales practices that were encouraging people to lose money. For example, leverage is now capped at 30 to 1 rather than what we saw with AGM markets, where leverages were offered up to 500 to 1. The order also protects investors against negative account balances by limiting a retail client's CFD losses to funds in their CFD trading account. This is really important. It means that you can't lose more money than what you have invested. The order also prohibits giving or offering certain inducements to clients, like rebates or free gifts like iPads.
0: You've told us about these high risk products available to retail investors. Now tell us a little bit about client money obligations. As I understand it, This is a law to ensure client money is kept separate from licensee money. Why is that?
1: The fundamental principle of client money obligations is to protect client funds in the event that something goes wrong. It ensures that client funds are preserved and remain available and can be returned to investors. It really is a cornerstone principle of maintaining investor confidence and the integrity of Australia's financial markets, investors need to know that their funds are safe.
0: In the matter of Pershing Securities Australia, they transferred sale proceeds from international trading into their business bank account, rather than ensuring that these funds were paid into segregated clients' trust accounts.
1: That's right. ASIC, through the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions, charged Pershing and took them to court. Pershing pleaded guilty to breaching its client money obligations and was convicted. The judge ordered that Pershing pay a penalty of $40,000. Society
0: General Securities was also taken to court by ASIC in late 2020 for breaching client money obligations. They received client money in connection with financial services but failed to deposit that money into trust account of an Australian authorised deposit taking institution they're also convicted of the offence charged and were ordered to pay a penalty of $30,000.
1: That's right. And I think these two cases demonstrate to the market the importance of properly handling client funds. And I think it's really important to note that this was the first time that client money breaches were pursued criminally by ASIC and the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions.
0: Companies also have an obligation to maintain continuous disclosure to the market So where there was information that a person would expect to have a material effect on the price or value of the entity's securities, then that entity or company must tell the ASX, the Australian Securities Exchange. How does ASIC enforce these continuous disclosure laws?
1: When we find out about a company allegedly breaching its continuous disclosure laws, we conduct investigations. And where the evidence stacks up, we pursue outcomes generally in the federal court. In October last year, there was an outcome in the federal court against Antares Energy, which is now known as Blue Star Helium, where the court found that they breached continuous disclosure obligations.
0: So Antares announced that they were selling their Northern Star asset for over 148 million US and its Big Star asset for over 105 million US.
1: That's right, and they were selling both assets to a company called Wade Energy, but they did not disclose to the market that Wade Energy was the purchaser. Instead, the company described the purchaser as a private equity purchaser. The court also found that prior to making the company announcements about the sale, Antares had not independently verified or determined the capacity of Wade Energy to actually complete the purchase. Antares had also been informed by Wade Energy that it had not yet received the funding approval necessary to complete the purchase. This important information was not disclosed to the market by Antares.
0: And what did Antares stand to gain from not disclosing this information to the market?
1: Well, the price of Antares Energy shares rose following the release of the company announcements because investors heard about the potential sale and therefore invested in the shares. The main reason that ASIC took on this case is because information that is market sensitive needs to be disclosed in a timely manner. A well-informed market leads to greater investor confidence. This was noted by the judge in this case, Justice Banks-Smith.
0: Now Molly, what can you tell me about this new immunity policy which ASIC released earlier in 2021.
1: I'm really glad you raised this, Louise. It's a new tool in our toolkit to combat and detect misconduct. In February 2021, ASIC released an immunity policy for certain contraventions of the Corporations Act. The policy only applies to individuals who've engaged with others to manipulate the market, commit insider trading or engage in dishonest conduct when operating a financial services business. Those individuals, in certain circumstances, can seek immunity from both civil penalty and criminal proceedings. Immunity is only available to the first individual who satisfies the immunity criteria, and they have to report the misconduct to ASIC prior to ASIC commencing an investigation into that conduct. The consequences for breaching these sections of the Corporations Act can be very significant. Individuals can face up to 15 years in prison and be fined almost $1 million, or if the court can determine the benefit derived from the contravention, three times the benefit's value. I think those consequences demonstrate how valuable immunity could be.
0: Molly, thank you for speaking with me today and taking me through ASIC's work in the market's enforcement space. You can keep up to date with our enforcement work by subscribing to our media releases on the ASIC website. If you have any feedback on this podcast, send us a tweet to ASIC Media. We'd love to hear from you.